there was a coach who was sleeping with underage children. And then I decided to report it and then it just all came out. The boys wore shorts, but the girls were made to wear PE pants and it was mortifying. Hey, this is Rina Dipti Annabil, and you're listening to The Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect, the podcast where my amazing and inspirational guests and I delve into different aspects of womanhood each and every week. This is the place where you get your weekly dose of girl chat and where we celebrate those women who are changing the world one bit at a time. So today I'm going to be talking about self-guarding, slightly different from safeguarding, but it's all about what it means to protect yourself from harmful situations to understand your environment and make better and safer choices for yourself. My guest today is going to tell me a bit more about it. So joining me to talk about this is athlete, athletics coach, and the person who created self-guarding. And we're kind of family, aren't we? Um, it's Yolance. Hi, Yolance. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So welcome to the Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect. So, um, so listen, self-guarding, I keep saying safeguarding. So how is self-guarding and safeguarding different? So um, self-guarding is about how you can look after yourself and make sure that you're in a good situation or a good environment. Safeguarding is more where a third party will look out, look out for your well-being, like the police, your work company and stuff like that. Right. So this is us taking responsibility for our own well-being then? Yes. Okay. Um, right. So first of all, like, why is this so important to you? Like, why did you start this initiative, Self-Guarding UK? So the reason why I started it, because I whistleblew and I received a lot of backlash from whistleblowing. Five years down the line, I'm still dealing with the backlash of it. And I had to do a safeguarding course because I'm an athletics coach. And while I'm on this course, I kept on seeing these coaches' faces who did wrong to the kids. And I was like, why do I have to keep doing this course? Because this is not me. And then I just thought to myself, this makes no sense. Because even though they're changing the content of safeguarding for what adults are not supposed to do or how to identify, I was like, well, what's the point if these kids don't even know what we're not supposed to be doing? Who's going to hold us accountable? So I thought, you know what? It needs to change because there's a clear gap here. How am I as a coach or other coach um, going to be held accountable for their actions? So I designed a course that lets children know and understand the environment and what things should look like, what things should sound like. And that's how it all came about. So this whole whistleblowing thing, are you? is it something that you're allowed to talk about? Are you allowed to say what it was? Um, yes, I can. So what, what happened? Um, there was a coach who was sleeping with underage children um and yeah and, of that nature and then how did you find out about that in the first place how i find out was it was just like the kids were just around and just talking and just whispering and i was just like what's going on and then it was like you know when you keep hearing the same thing over and over but from different mouths i said there's there's something there and then i decided to report it and then it just all came out okay so the person the, the the underage person who the coach was was having this relationship with um did they know that were they kind of like 
did they know it was wrong basically or did they think that this was okay absolutely, uh, absolutely. the agent the agent itself told you that it's wrong no but did that person know it's wrong because some I'm just saying because you know sometimes um kids can can get into these situations with adults and it's obviously wrong right but then they're groomed aren't they so they are groomed to think that oh you know we're in a special friendship or we're in a special relationship or we're boyfriend and girlfriend when it's like this is a 15 year old kid I don't know if it was something like that I'm I believe what you've just said there is why I, I talk about environment a lot because if a child doesn't know what something is supposed to be like or look like, yeah. it's deemed as normal. Yep. But if they understand what's not normal, then it's not normal. So in her eyes, it could possibly be being, oh, this is normal because she didn't know no different. She didn't know no better. So when you look at it that way, yes, she could have thought this is okay. Mm. And that's really damaging, isn't it? Like if as a kid, you think that that is normal, you know, and then, I mean that that literally affects your whole life. Even if you you you've thought that this was okay for a while, and then you came out of it and realized, oh, this was really wrong. Like that literally can affect you for your whole life, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It really, it really, really can. And then the fact that um, when you're safeguarding, when a child tells you something, if they can't articulate it in the way that is deemed the correct way, it's not taken very seriously. So it's a lot of the times dismissed. Um, so with self-guarding, the, the course when I created it, it's to put in key words so they can they can talk about what it's supposed to be like rather than, oh, this is what happened. And they don't know and they've got no other comparisons to what it's supposed to be. Yeah, that is so true because cause I, th- I don't know, I think back to when I was younger and I didn't have any experiences like that. But then if I had, what would I have even said? I don't know. Yeah. Um. Actually, there probably was something which was a bit dodgy with like an older cousin, and I I actually uh, only told my mum about it like recently because, you know, I didn't know how to say anything. I didn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. And and it wasn't like oh you know I had some kind of uh we were just playing a game and it got a bit funny. Do you know what I mean? It's got a little bit weird yeah. like. Uh, and then I kind of thought at the time this is a bit weird and I was so young and then I didn't know how to say anything so I don't know when do you think is the right age to speak to kids about all this kind of stuff I don't think there's or actually from what I've looked at um from year five onwards um and the reason why I say from year five because they're, they're nine plus because that's when most parents decide to then um, make them independent and drop them off and then pick them up later. Yeah. So I'll say from year five, but um, in the home with family, I mean, it's completely different, isn't it? Because why would you feel like you need to have the conversation like that about a family mm. member? But it's, it's what happens, isn't it? And um, the fact that we don't know nothing different you don't say nothing because I think it's down to um, confidence as well because even though we know something could be wrong but because we actually don't have nothing to compare it to or a situation we just be quiet about it because we don't actually know like we feel like it's wrong because it made us feel bad it made us feel this but we don't have the confidence to speak on it because we've never been in that predicament so we just let it 
go and it's only when we're older and we start talking about it we just we realize yeah I was right I it was wrong yeah yeah um and and you know this morning I actually had a conversation with my kids like I was like oh you know you'll answer auntie I'm going to be speaking to her on my podcast today and um we're talking about self-guiding they were like what's that and then I just kind of I said to them oh you know um you always have to kind of listen to your inner voice that you know what's right inside you know and sometimes it might be a bit uncomfortable and stuff don't ever feel bad about making a fuss or telling people and mommy and daddy are never going to tell you off even if there's a grown-up and then and something doesn't feel right to you you feel uncomfortable and you're like I don't want to do this thank you and you walk away from it we will never ever tell you off about it sometimes you have to actually make a big fuss if things are not right so that's that's what I kind of want them and you know you don't know how really when they're in the situation I don't know what they're going to do but I do tell them and, and obviously my kids are like 12 11 and 5 and obviously the five-year-old is like how much is she taking in but one thing I have said to her and it's a tricky one with little kids because you don't want to destroy their innocence right because the, the innocence yeah. of kids is such a nice cute beautiful thing but then yeah. I you know I've just said in a light-hearted way as we're um getting dressed or something after a shower or something thing um something like you know no one's allowed to touch your private parts these are private parts so just like private parts okay so you can just touch your own private parts obviously and if mommy helps you to like wash yourself or whatever that's fine but nobody's allowed to touch your private parts just telling the concept of what private means so I mean that's as far as I have gone yeah with my five-year-old and then and I don't really I don't know if you need much more than that because that's the kind of basics. But a lot of us weren't even given those talks, really, were we? Yeah. No, we were, we were just thrown out there because it it was it was a thing that was happening that wasn't it wasn't a secret, but it was a secret because it was so common. The abuse was happening when we was growing up, you know, because I I grew up with a parent who was abused, and um, it does it even though I wasn't abused, it does impact who I am. You know, and she didn't have the support or she didn't have um, the backup that she needed. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. When when did she tell you about all this kind of stuff? Um, she told us I was in year, I think it was year eight, actually. Mm. And she told us. And um, when I say us, she was me and my half-sister and my, uh, my older sister. And... Um, it was it was really weird. It was really weird. It I just felt cold. And then a lot of her actions when I was growing up started to make sense to me. It was like, don't go and sit on uncle's lap. Don't go here. Like you know, like and if we're on a bus, you'd be like, don't sit not um, don't sit to no don't sit next to no men. Like things like that. She'd always say things like that. But I never thought well, I was it was the issue. And it's only when that happened, it just everything just clicked. Yeah, yeah, because it would, it really would make you bring your kids up different, like really with, with all of this in mind. Mm. Yeah. So, and this was when she was little that it happened to her. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. you know how, I, I don't, I don't think that anything happened to my mom, but my mom, I don't know whether she saw it happen to other people, but she was very on it with things like, even if we went to like family member's house and she wasn't there, when we came back, she'd question us, what did you do? What did you hang around with? Then what did you do? Who did you play with? And, we, and sometimes it was like, oh my God, like the questions, will you just stop with the question? Yeah. <laughs> but, but then I do a similar thing to my kids, like not interrogate so much, but I do, I'm like, oh, so, you know, 
just try and keep it light but really I'm like no tell me everything because I want to know exactly <laughs> what you did who you played with and stuff and we you know like I told you before um so me and Tony are a bit different in to a lot of parents that I know as in we're still quite old school with the whole sleepover thing and stuff so unless unless I know who you are unless unless you're literally family as in my own mum my kids ain't going anywhere for a sleepover. <laughs> and and because obviously sleepovers are a thing, like, you know how it is these days. It's like, oh, you know, it's my birthday party, 10 years old, come for a sleepover. And I swear to God, Jolance, yeah. I have actually, um, I've known people to drop their kids at somebody's for a sleepover. And these are like nine, 10 year olds. They have never been to that person's house before. They barely know the parents. They barely know the family. They're putting their child in that house for a night. Yeah. Now, I know that's normal to a lot of people. For me, I'm like, no, it's not normal. And and no, with, I agree. It's I, I just find that really bizarre. And I was kind of thinking, does anyone else not feel that this is weird? Like your own child, who you are the guardian of. Like, how well do you know these people? I know that's your kid's friend. Do you know her parents? Do you know her dad? Do you know her stepdad? Do you know this random uncle that's hanging around? Like, I'm sorry, but I, I just found it a bit weird. And that that sleepover where all of this dawned on me um my kids they we actually knew that family really well and still I was like no you're a bit young for sleepovers you're not going to sleepover so we just went for the party and then went home again to sleep and then I took them back for breakfast so they could just join in but I was just like no you're not sleeping there and then um my two older daughters um last year was the first time I'd ever let them sleep at a friend's house and it was a friend who was basically my family my friend she's basically like family I've known her since I was 11 she lives around the corner she's got girls a similar age and because of how well I know her and she's basically family and because my um the older two were obviously that much more older I was like okay fine right but otherwise I'm like if I don't know someone that I can trust them you're not going in that house for a night I'm sorry to say And and I just and I and I know that a lot of people are oh my god calm down you know it's fine it's part of childhood going to sleepovers but nah and I don't I don't think it's a part of childhood going to sleepovers I never went to sleepovers personally um, did I want to go to a sleepover yes I did because everyone else was doing it but when I look back have I really missed that no because it was it's more of a thing because everyone's doing it every child wants to do it right it's not actually a thing. And I and I I feel the same way about it as well. It's like you don't know these people, so why would you allow your child to just drop them off? It's the same with um, sports. Yeah, parents take take the kid, drop them off, see you later. You know, um, some organisations um, they give a um, handbook to the parents to read about what the things should like should be, but that makes no sense to me because. Ultimately, you're going to drop the child off. So when something happens, the child's not going to be able to identify that because they don't know no different. Mm. You do, but you're not there to identify it. So what is the child going to come and complain about? They All they're going to say to you, oh, yeah, it was really good. We've done this, we've done that, and just be happy about it. But then it's like they're not going to complain about nothing because it's normal now because they're not, no, they don't know nothing different. Yeah. So a handbook defeats the purpose, right, if you're not going to be present. Mm. Yeah, um, and it's the same with the sleepovers. It's like, is there is there a book of rules of how a sleepover should happen? No, there isn't a rule book, but the but you need to talk about the environment and what it should like, what it should be like. But then that's just our point of view of what it should look like. 
it's not necessarily going to be like that for a sleepover. So I would rather not, like yourself, not have my child sleep over. Mm. And don't you think that sometimes um, with family, we kind of like, oh, it's family, go and have a nice time. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, not that anyone should start being suspicious of all their family members, but I don't really think that you can actually say, oh, these are cousins, these are uncles or whatever, aunties, and, and that's it. You, you know, just go do whatever and, and I'm not going to really be concerned about you. What, what do you think about it? I, there's cousins and there's cousins and there's uncles and there's uncles. Um, when I say cousins, I've got to have, if my child's going to go sleep over a cousin's house, um, it's got to be a cousin that I grew up with. I see on a regular basis, we talk all the time on the phone, but even then it's, it's nine out of 10 abusers are family members or people you know. That's what I'm so, saying. Mm. It's hard to, it's really hard to engage on what it should or what it shouldn't be. So if they was going to go for a sleepover, there'll be, I'd have to have that relationship with my child where we can talk about everything. We can just communicate. Nothing's a secret. Nothing's too, you know, um, nothing's untouchable. We can always talk about things. And when they get to that stage where we have that open um, dialect with each other and they want to go and sleep around my cousin's or uncle's house, then I will let them do that because I know we have that relationship where they can um, communicate and talk to me about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to talk about that a little bit now, because obviously we know, you know, what scares us and, and, and situations that people can get into, but whatever situation it is, how do we, in this, in this self-guarding thing that you've designed, how are we teaching people to know what to expect and how to act? Okay. So I'm coming from a sports point of view. So um, for sports, for example, if you're going to go to a professional sporting place, I, I'm trying to teach from the very basics. Everything that I've written on the course is so basic. It's so simple. You'd think, well, this is just common sense. But common sense, is it common if you don't know about common sense or mm-hmm. you're not taught common sense? So I start from the very beginning. Like when you walk into a sporting environment, there should be a setup for you. For example, the, the coach should have had a layout to, to, so to prepare what you're going to do for that session. That's the very basic thing right there. And if you go to a, a place and they don't even have the first bit, which is a setup ready for you, that's a red flag already. That's, a, that's, that's your first chance to go ask the coach, well, why haven't we got a setup? What are we doing today? Because mm. it shows that person is unprepared for you. Mm-hmm. Because when you go to a sporting environment, you're going there to achieve, to to um to get your goals, to to be the best you can be. But how can you be? How can you be the best you can be? And it's not even a basic setup ready for you. That that means the coach is not mentally ready for you neither, because yeah. he couldn't even be bothered to start the basic. Mm-hmm. So if I I'm teaching things like that the, from the very beginning. What things should be looking like? Okay, okay, and then and then um. Okay, so that's the very beginning. And then what kind of things do you move on to? So then I move on to um, equipment, the mm-hmm. kind of equipment you should be using and what it should look like and what they're used for. Mm-hmm. And I also let them know that, you know, um, some equipment that you use isn't just necessarily used in your sport, it's used in other sports as well. So to let them know, okay, well, why are we using hurdles when we're doing football? Mm-hmm. To let them know that other equipment is used to do this. So to, okay. so they understand that 
sports can cross over and that's normal for sports to cross over and that's right. fine. And then it goes on to training. Um, it goes on to your clothing. So we speak about clothing. We speak about um, your work rate. We speak about consistency. Mm-hmm. And with them three um, subjects, with clothing, we speak about it's your clothing should it should be something that you feel comfortable wearing. It shouldn't be, oh, your coach said, oh, you've got a race. You have to wear these short shorts. You've got to wear crop tops. It should be something that you're comfortable in wearing and that you want to wear it without being told this is what you have to wear because clothing shouldn't really be that much of an issue when you're training. Um, I spoke to a group of kids, actually, and I asked them, what do you think about, you know, the women wearing the crop tops and the, sh- and the knickers when they're racing? Mm. And the girl goes, no, it's like, it's lit. And so I goes, what do you mean lit? She goes, like, it's really nice. And I goes, okay, so why do you think it's really nice? And she goes, you know, because it is. So I said to her, um, so did you know that you have an option of wearing different clothing to race? She goes, they, well, they all go, do you? And I said, yeah. And I goes, so if you had, if you now you know you've got the option, what would you actually do? She goes, well, I would wear the knickers and the vest because it's going to make me run faster. So I was like, but how does that make sense? And she goes, because that's what they're designed for. I said, I said, so if that's the case, then why ain't, why ain't the men wearing it? Mm. And, then, and then she went quiet. So I goes, look at the other athletes, other athletes like um, Polly Bleasdale, um, the pole voter. Mm-hmm. She wears, she wears long knee length shorts and all covered up. And I said, she's, and she's still achieving. So I said, I'm going to ask the question again. I said, if you had a choice, to not wear the knickers and vest, what would you do? And they all said they would wear longer shorts because they felt like they had to wear this. So we talk about clothing as well. And then we talk about the work rate or the training and consistency. So so things like that, like we highlight things like that. So then they can know just because it's put out like that isn't necessarily mean that's the only way. You can do other yeah. things. And then um, we move on to um, the coaching section. And with the coaching section, we talk about the coach's language. So we talk about if it's constructive, is it positive? Then we mm-hmm. talk about tone. Is because sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So we talk about tone and what it should sound like. And then we move on and we we um um we talk about um your relationship with your coach, as in you should be able to go and speak to your coach and tell and tell them things. Because in sport, if your mindset isn't right or you need to vent and you don't, you it does hinder your um, mm-hmm. performance and your training. So it's just to let them know that you can speak to your coach and these are the things that you can speak about. And um, it goes on to if they do um, report an abuse at home or something like that, I speak about the procedure on what happens. Okay. Because what I realised is that um, a lot of children don't speak up because they think straight away, if I speak up, my mum or dad's going to go to jail. I'm going to be moved home. This is going to happen. And they're like, oh my God. And then they just think the whole world is going to, in an instant, just go upside down. So I break down the procedure that, you know, you speak to us. We will, um, we will um, congratulate you or yeah, to, and, and no, not congratulate, we'll praise you and say, well done for speaking up. And then we'll let you, then we'll, depending on what the situation is, we'll then talk, we go through the next steps, which mm-hmm. will be if we need to contact whoever we need to contact, 
and then this is why we're going to decontact them. So talking them through the procedures of what's going to what was going to happen. So they're always calm. So they don't think it's going to go one to one hundred in an instant. And I think that's a lot of kids' fear is that not knowing or having an understanding of what's going to happen next prevents them from speaking up if there's anything happening outside of track or sports or anything like that. Mm. And then on the last bit, we talk about you, which is them, on what they would need to do. And I speak about communication, just talking. Um, I um, speak about mindset, about, you know, if you come in late all the time, you end up missing out on your bonding time with your friends. You end up missing up on the warm-ups which then can lead to injury, which then can lead you to feeling left out, which then can lead you to think, well, what's the point of me being here? Because everyone's moved, like everyone's progressed and I've not progressed because I've missed that. So that's what the whole course is about. It's designed like that to let them know all the basic stuff Mm -hmm. in a sporting industry, whether it's football, cricket, anything to do with sport. These are the basics that you should be able to access. And that's and, so important because we want our kids yeah. to do sports, right? Like now, like when I was younger, my mom and dad, they they couldn't afford much, but also they wouldn't encourage us to do all these extracurricular things. And now yeah. we know, oh, this is good for kids' development. So we want them to do these things. And we it's really heartbreaking to know that, oh, you know, sometimes things, that they're not actually as safe as we think. Because, um, you know, um, with my little one, so she was doing after-school football club. And then she said one day, oh, I don't want to go. And I was like, oh, okay, why? And she went, oh, because some people are mean. And I was like, oh, who's mean? But apparently, so I think she was in goal and left some goals in or something like that. And then some boy stepped on her foot and then just walked away. And she didn't say anything. And obviously it wasn't enough to make her cry or anything, but she didn't tell the coaches or anything. But then it put her off a bit, a bit. And then I actually was like, a tom husband and he went mental he was like well that's not okay and i can't believe you know we're letting her go to this thing we're not there i don't even care if she goes anymore because i want to be there because she's only little and stuff because it's an after school thing right so you think okay yeah. it's just an extra little thing and it's the hour at school and but we we just said to her do you want to go and then we told the head teacher they told the the, the people that were running it so it kind of got back to the people that okay I don't really expect this it's not right and then they had a word with her oh you know you can tell us things and um talk to us and you are really good come back so she went back for a few sessions she doesn't want to go anymore fine we're not going to force it she's only little but that's what I'm saying even that she didn't say anything you know and and so I think what you're doing is so important because just to put it on them like this is what you can expect from what you're saying you know the equipment to how you're treated what you wear and and the clothes as well it's like so I've been in situations at PE in school, in secondary school, where I was uncomfortable with what we were wearing. Do you know what we had to wear? I don't know if you guys did this, but this was in the 90s and we had to wear for um, any kind of athletics, PE pants, just a normal shirt, T-shirt thing, polo shirt, and then PE pants, which was like these disgusting, tight um, navy blue pants on top of our normal pants. And it's like, the boys didn't wear that though. The boys wore shorts. Yeah. But the girls were made to wear PE pants. Like not even an option. You are wearing PE pants. Yeah. And it was mortifying. It was because you literally like, I'm here in knickers, mate. What is going on? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think um this is all this is why I feel that things need to change, especially for women in sport, because women in sport are sexualized. 
I don't know if you ever watched athletics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when when you when you look at um, watch it on TV, the cameraman they go straight to the women's bums. Why? Do they? they go? They angle from the bottom and they come up. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's what they want to do. It's like why? But they don't go with like they don't do it to the men. Like the men is their faces, but mm. women everything everything is like it's kind of like I feel like they're not taking us in sport serious as serious yeah. as they should do. Yeah, you know it's still. It's still old-fashioned. It's still run by the same sort of people running it. And, you know, it, it needs to change. Because I because when I when I race, I it's either that I wear the short shorts. When I say short shorts, it's like mid-five. Mm-hmm. And I'm wearing a vest. And if I'm wearing um, a longer short, then I might, might, I never have, but I might want to wear a crop top. Mm-hmm. It will never be short crop top and short shorts mm-hmm. what is like i'm still gonna run aren't i i'm still gonna go fast yeah so, well like you, you said know, the, the men don't wear that do they and they go fast no no and and the thing about it as well because it's so sexualized as well when you've got the teenage girls who go and race when they finish their race they walk around like that for the rest of the day and it's just like put your clothes on but they like the attention that comes from it, mm. you know? So at that age, girls are very, oh, like, oh, like, oh, Simon yeah. likes me, Paul likes me, like, yo, you know, but they're not, they're looking at your body and you like that attention, you know? Mm. And it's like, why can't you get that loving attention with your clothes on? Yeah. You know, why can't you be respected with your clothes on? Why? Why do you need to prance yourself like that? To be saying, oh yeah, you're a serious athlete, you know? Because mm. um, I think I can't remember what it was, but um, Holly um, Bleasdale, the pole voter, mm-hmm. she had some issues about her her attire because they wanted her to wear the knickers and the crop top because um, she didn't achieve anything at a certain point. So they were saying, no, it must be the clothes, it must be the clothes. But then she proved them wrong and got bronze. I think she got bronze. She might have got silver. Um, don't quote me on what she got. <laughs> but, um, and it's just like, it's got nothing to do with clothes. It's down to the ability and your mindset at that time. Because I could be training and if it's going well in training, but come race day, if, if something just gone wrong, I don't, I won't achieve because my mindset's not right. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah, they, yeah. And then um, also other girls who maybe do want to get into sport who are athletic they might look at these girls who are parading around in a crop top and knickers and think oh okay I'm not that that's not for me which is a really sad thing because it can be for you you don't have to parade yeah. around in knickers and crop top right a hundred percent because before I came back into the sport um I came back into athletics when when I was 23 and I was a bit chunky fine because I like my food <laughs> and um what happened was, it was like, I see all the girls wearing the crop tops and stuff like that. And I just thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm never going to race. Because if, if I have to wear that, I'm not taking my, I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. I refuse. I'm just not doing it. And then um, the coach who I was with at the time, he wasn't helpful. He will tell me, I'll, I, you know, I need to lose weight. I need to do this and stuff like that. Not realising that I've just come off and, um, from an um, eating disorder that I had telling me that I need to lose weight, I need to look like this, I need to look like that. 
all because I'm not wearing the clothes that everyone else is wearing. And then he said, I will never achieve my goal. I changed coaches, still the same size, if not probably heavier because I gained muscle. And I, and I actually achieved and I got my PBs, mm. you know, and that's down to the coach. It's not down to me. If I'm not looking a certain way, you're not supposed to say something, oh, you're fat, you need to do this, you need that. They, they should be clued up enough as a coach, no, okay, this is what I'm going to get this person to start doing and start trimming her down without her feeling any less than about herself. Yeah. You know, it's about it's about confidence. And if a coach is telling you, oh, this and that, and you've got to wear this to race, you know, you ain't going to go nowhere. And, and honestly, I did not race for a good, when I got back, a good three years when I got back into athletics, I did not race because I did not want to wear the clothes. And it was all down to me being with the wrong coach. So I wasted three years with the wrong coach because he didn't know any better because he's still stuck in that mentality. Yeah, that's that's horrible. Yeah, the fact that clothes and just, you know, having your body on show and people commenting on it would put you off of something that you were actually passionate about. Yeah. And I'm sure it happens to more people, you know. Absolutely. That's crazy. Absolutely. um, Sorry. No, I was just going to say that I really like the fact now that, you know, like even people who wear hijabs, there are, there yeah. is sports attire that they can actually put on like gym wear that is modest Yeah, because they should be, they should be able to have that, have access to that and, and go and feel strong and be covered up. It's exactly. Cause we're not in sport. You're not taught that clothes make you strong. <laughs> you know, they, they, they taught, oh, you can only be strong if you look like this, if you look like that. You know, it's all looks and I might be wrong, but I don't think men get that much grief about what they're wearing. No, no, they don't. <laughs> and that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Like women wearing crop tops and men wearing vests and shorts. It's weird. You don't actually, yeah, you, you, know, you don't actually think about it. And like now I'm actually thinking about it because we're talking about this, but you just, you just kind of, it's just what is right. It's standard. It's like, we're used to it. Like the same as like, you know, when they have like, uh, Formula One and that they have those girls in actual like bra and pants that come around or you know in boxing I don't know what those girls yeah. are called you know what I mean the girls that come around yeah. in an actual bra and pants parading around holding up signs and stuff and you're like if you stop to think about it you're like what the hell is this mate what is yeah. this how is that normal because yeah. I still feel like they feel like sport is men and they need to and a lot of viewers are men so we need to keep the men interested. Yeah. So we're putting display for men, but time to change because females are just in, just are into sport just as men. Mm. You know, and it's 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 you know it's a shame because there's a few kids in my group who have um, polycystic ovaries and stuff like that. So you know what comes with that excess hair and that they constantly feel uncomfortable when I when when we speak to them all the time and is we, it's like I've got to constantly reassure, say, don't worry, you'll be fine. You're, you're still going to achieve, regardless if you don't wear this, if you don't wear that, you know? And it's and it's so sad because society is still painting us as an object. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do, they do. I think we've just got a long way, a long, long way to go, haven't we? Yeah. Um, so what, you know, like uh, recently you, you asked me to do um, a little video for the self-guarding page. What does self-guarding mean to me? Well, what does yeah. it, what does it mean to you uh, in a, in a, 
a couple of sentences if you can explain for myself or for everyone else just for you yeah for you self-guarding so self-guarding for me is, is about being aware and creating choices for myself so that I can make a better choice to keep myself safe at all times Hmm. yeah well you know what I think it's amazing this initiative that you're doing are you going to do this in schools as well but where where do you kind of give this info to kids so I'm um got a web page that we're um in the makings of so my goal is to actually make this compulsory for all children from year five upwards to go on go on the course um so that's where I see it going. I want it to go worldwide because I think it's so important um, that they start, kids are able to start holding adults accountable. Not just the coach accountable, but their parents accountable because their parents should be there watching as well if they can. Mm. And if they can't be there to watch, then they should be informed of what it should look like. So if these parents have these handbooks and obviously, we you know, parents work, I understand they're busy, but you have kids. So they've got to be your priority as well. So you need to read your handbook as well and sit down with your child and talk about the handbook and what it says should go on in the handbook if you're going to leave them by themselves. So then they know what to look out for. And if it goes wrong, they can say, oh, mum or dad or whoever it is, this happened. So then you can then address it. Yeah, I think that that's really important because, you know, parents like we do because we're so busy obviously you do fall into that thing of like oh it's free childcare for a bit you know it's another hour that they can be doing this and I could be doing something else and um yeah so so it is so important not just to be like yeah just you go there free childcare have a good time see you later yeah because a lot of parents actually don't care what actually what they do as long as they're away mm. Out of sight, um, outside out of mind, right? That's what they say, and it's it's horrible because I, I'm in an environment where I see a lot of potential danger for children who don't know no better. Mm. In, in the in coaching with your coaching, yeah, role. yeah, and it bothers me. It bothers me to the fact that I always talk to my coaching partner about it, always, and I said it's not right, but. If they don't know no better, it's normal. So it's okay for them. Mm. You know? Yeah. And that's the sad thing about it all is they don't know no better. So I'm, so understanding your environment and what it should look like, what it should sound like, what it should be like, will give you that choice to do better if it's not looking like, sounding like, or being like. And as parents to kind of, to, to kind of let your kids know you're not going to get told off. If you don't, if you're like, no, nah, I don't want to go there. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, it's fine. And and to be and to be involved. Yeah. Because a lot of parents don't, don't even understand the sport that they're putting their child in. Mm. You know, um, one of my um, reels that I put up the other day, I, you know, 98% of parents don't understand the sport they, that they put their child in, which is going to leave them open to be manipulated. And it's going to leave their child open for all sorts as well. Because it's like, for, um, for example, if... You know, if you drop your kids to the to wherever you drop them off to, and your child does come and come, like come over to you and say, "Oh, mum, this happened," and you go to the coach to ask mm-hmm. him, "Oh, what's happened here?" and then the coach is able to then blag his way 
around it goes no 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 it um it was this it was that and then you go oh, okay and fine thank you ha ha he and get on with it and then you go back to your child but oh no i spoke to so and so and he said it was that this so don't be you know don't worry next time it'll be fine so that you then you you kind of end up dismissing what your child reported because you don't know no better mm. so it, then it's like then that child's voice is then silenced so yeah. even though you you open that relationship, oh, you can talk to you, tell me about anything, but because you don't know better yourself as a parent in the sport, you're helping the coach silent your child. So yeah. it's important for parents to get involved and understand the sport, even if it's a little bit, but have an understanding of it and understand what it's supposed to look like and sound like and be like. So when your child does come, you can support your child. So giving the children the voice in um, self-guarding, it's not only going to hold the coach accountable, it's going to hold their parents accountable too. Yeah. Because your parents are supposed to be there to support you in what's happening. And your coach is meant to help you raise your game and be the best you. So if the child is, is equipped with this information without anything being seedy, oh, that will touch you. Because if we don't talk about any touching, we're not talking about nothing like that. We just talk about what it should look, sound and be like. And then if they can do that, then they can go to the parent and say, A, B, and C. Then the parents goes, you know, yeah, you're right. And they can challenge the coach or whoever is doing whatever not and get correct answers and know, well, if this is what you're saying it is, then why did that happen? And, you know, then you got two holding that one person accountable. That is so important. And we have to be on it as parents. Um, and people don't realise, yeah, you know, because it is hard. You know, I've got three, as you know, and it, it is tiring and it is hard to be across it all. But then what is the point of even having kids, right, if you're not going to be? And it's like, I, I get told a lot by some of the parents, which is really unfortunate because then it shows me how small-minded they are. They tell me that, but I don't understand because I'm not a parent. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, I'll probably know more stuff about your child than you know because they tell me everything. And then I guide them. Because I have a coach, I'm not just there for them to be the best runner or the best football player. I'm actually there to help guide them. Yeah. And say, you know, and show them there's other options rather than arguing with your parents. Because a lot of them tell us about how uh, their mum's this, their dad's that. They just tell us everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm not there to judge. I'm there to say, okay, so let's try and think of it how we can go around this. Let's try. So I'm, I help guide them. And that's mm. my job. I find that sometimes people who are not parents, they have a very a different viewpoint on the parenting thing because they're looking at it from the outside. When you're in it, as a mom, you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Oh, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're not going with the program. You know, she's up all night, blah, blah, blah. Woe is me. This is quite hard. And you're, you're in it. You're producing all the meals. You're doing this, cleaning the house. And it's a lot. And then, and, and you might actually lose sight of certain things. So, you know, one of my friends, for instance, yeah. said to me, once on, on this podcast she was like she said oh you know as a parent you've actually been given guardianship of this person it's you're a guardian you've been given guardianship of them you know it, it's not just like do what I say and whatever they've got their own ideas they've got their own life but you all you're doing is you're being a guardian to that person and it's, and some parents wouldn't even say that they're just like you know oh do what I tell you to do and I don't know I just find that Sometimes there's a little different, maybe because you're looking at it from a different angle, there's there's a different yeah. insight into it. And also, I think like as a parent, I've noticed that, I try not to do this myself, but uh, uh, parents can forget what it was like to be a kid. 
because they're just in parent mode Absolutely. they're just in parent mode it's just like well you know do what I tell you to do why are you doing this why are you making a fuss it's like have you gone to that stage where you've forgotten what it's like to be a kid and some of my friends who don't have kids they will still they will say a lot oh don't you remember when you were a kid you know when I was a kid we used to do this and it's really important to remember that it is it's, it's the key is how I get is how I get the kids to be open and talk to me because if I know if they're coming into the track and they're in a bad mood, unless I break the ice and get them to say what's on their mind, they're not even going to train properly. And then it's just going to, and then when they don't train properly and the session's finished, they're going to be in a worse mood because they didn't even get to do the session properly. So then they're going to, it's just going to be a, a forever ending cycle. Mm-hmm. So I've got to break it. And the way I can break it is I need to come down to their level, which is more fun because I don't have to do much and just, and just speak them on on their level, on their terms. Like sometimes, um, you know, some of them talk a little bit road. I would like to say road. So, so I I just talk to them like you know, you know, and talk to me that I, I just come down to where they're at in life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just say it's normal, it's fine. You know, it's what we all go through. I went through the same experience, and then I and I share my experience with them because I ran away from home at fifteen. You know, and I share my experiences and what life was like and stuff. And said, this is all normal stuff. The difference is I wish I had someone like me to talk to you. Like someone like, you know, because if I had that guidance, things would have probably been different. I probably wouldn't have run away from home and a lot of other stuff in my life wouldn't have happened. Mm. But I didn't have no one there. I didn't have the support. So again, communication. Yeah. <laughs> and having someone to be able to communicate it with, mm. you know you know and that's again going back to the course and the in the coaches part when I talk about coaches um relationship that that's the kind of relationship that you're able to have you can talk about your if you've got a boyfriend you can talk about that you can talk about your menstrual cycle because it happens you know but you can talk about anything you should be able to just be free and talk about anything without it being um, held against you and just get guidance yeah Absolutely. Well, Yolanda, I think that you're doing an amazing job and um, this is a, it's a really good initiative that you started. So if people want to find out a bit more information about self-guarding and yourself, so where can they go? What's the website or social media handles? So at the moment, I'm only on Instagram um, at Self-Guarding UK. Um, the website should hopefully be ready at the end of February. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I, once all that is done, I will keep you all posted on where you can reach us and get on the calls cool so thank you so much it's been really good talking to you um uh, you're welcome. coming on and thank you everybody thank for, you for listening that's a that's good yeah, anytime you. anytime anytime thank you for listening i hope that you found this interesting um I just I think that people do need to hear this stuff. So please do share this podcast episode. If you haven't subscribed, then do so, please. So you know exactly when I drop the episodes and you can be the first to download and listen. Follow me also at Sisterhood of Mommy and Perfect or at Rena D. Annabelle. Until next time. Bye. Thank you.